My message today is entitled, Live Like It. There was a commercial several years ago for Prego spaghetti sauce. A mother was cooking the spaghetti and the pot was full of what looked like vibrant red spaghetti sauce. The aroma appeared to be filling the whole house as kids started walking in and smelling what was going on. And her son walked in the kitchen and looked at her mother and said, where's the mushrooms? And she said, it's in the sauce. Then he started to smell something like sausage. And he said, where's the sausage? And she said, it's in there. And he said, what, what about the Parmesan cheese? Where's that? And she said, it's in the sauce. Prego spaghetti sauce had kick and flavor because of what was inside. Every time the boy would look for something that he smelled, the mother would say, it's, it's in there. I want to tell you that if you're looking for a victory, it's in the Bible. If you're looking for transformation, it's already in there. If you're looking for power, it's in the Bible. If you're looking for deliverance, it's in there. If you're looking for a brand new you, it's already in there, in the Bible. The divine nature has given us everything that we need and we can learn about all that's available to us by studying the Word of God. So I want to show you some of the promises that we don't always realize are in there. We may say we know it, but we don't always live like we know it. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. God has given us all things that we need. We are rich in mercy and grace and love and acceptance and forgiveness. Yet sometimes we get so used to just taking care of ourselves and just trying to survive that sometimes we live our Christian lives the same way. We too often hold on to love or hold on to mercy or hold on to forgiveness for ourselves instead of showering it on others who are bankrupt of these things. 2 Peter 1, verse 4, "...by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature." having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. When God's promises are described as exceedingly great, it's not just because there's many. It's because His promises are true and proven. Now, I will tell you, in the landscape of today, where truth is perverted all the time and people lie all the time, to say that God's promises are true, there's a great contrast. There's great power in that. To show that His promises are true, God seals the deal like no one else does or no one else can. How does He do this? Take a look in Ephesians chapter 1, starting at verse 13. In Him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Verse 14, the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession 
to the praise of His glory. What's that mean? It means that when we come to Jesus and we receive His truth and our salvation or forgiveness, God knows that we have human minds and human flesh and human feelings and sometimes we're tempted to doubt. And sometimes we're tempted to not believe or tempted to not understand. And so God takes the Holy Spirit and puts it in each one of us as a down payment that says, you've got your eternal home secured, but if you continue to submit to me, it's going to keep you so you don't, are not bothered by the winds of doubt. It's going to keep you pulled back as your anchor in life. The anchor will hold in spite of the storm you go through in life. The Holy Spirit is our down payment and our seal to make sure that we continue on that path towards God. He guarantees us the full inheritance of redemption, eternal life, and the complete removal of our sinful nature when we get to heaven. I know I've said this before, but it still is mind-boggling to me. We talk about heaven what's it like. Are there streets of gold? As some people think, are there golf courses on end to play golf for every, all eternity? You know, the greatest, that's, that's our human mind trying to put a picture on it. The greatest thing is we lose our sinful flesh. There's no more temptation, no more sin, no more bad thoughts, no more anger, no, all the things that kind of pull us away. We are there forever in God's presence. Our, our sinful flesh is gone in that unclouded day. We have been given great and exceedingly precious promises through God our Father. When we are saved, we gain spiritual riches that are now at our disposal if we know what's there for us. In case some of these promises have slipped your mind, let me bring a few to your remembrance. First, the Lord brought us into a relationship with Him. Romans chapter 5, starting at verse 6. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. Verse 8, But God demonstrates His own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is the greatest picture of unconditional love. The Lord didn't wait for us to get our act cleaned up. Like some people say, I'm not ready to go to church yet because I'm still sinning or I've still got bad thoughts. Listen, God doesn't wait for us to get our act cleaned up. He died for us while we were still sinning. He didn't wait for the people to abandon the world. He still died for all of us. He gave His life for a world of sinners, for a people who lacked faith and perseverance. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is why no other love can compare to the love of Jesus. Listen, if Jesus died for us while we were still sinners, what makes us think that because when we mess up, and we all do, we all sin, we all mess up, what makes us think that when we sin that God casts us out of His presence? He doesn't. If we've come to Jesus with the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ to have our sins forgiven and we've accepted His sacrifice, God's promise is that He never leaves us nor forsakes us. That's His promise. That's His love for us. Romans 5, verse 9. Much more than having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. You know that it's not politically correct to say that God has a wrath. After all, many today believe that God loves everyone and therefore everyone will get to heaven. 
That's being preached in some pulpits in the world this day, although it's not biblical. However, that statement is not only not biblical. It doesn't make any sense. Of course God has a wrath. God's wrath is against sin. Because sin is what has separated uh, God from His children. The fact that He loves us so much is reason to see why He hates what has separated us from Him. Did you know this? The popular hymn, In Christ Alone, one of Bob Huber's favorite songs, sang at a celebration of life. That popular hymn, a few years ago, took center stage on the politically correct stage. A Presbyterian hymnal was offended at the line that said, the wrath of God was satisfied. Meaning that Jesus' sacrifice paid the price for our sins. Our balance was wiped out. It is final. In fact, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The hymnal committee instead wanted to change the lyrics from the wrath of God is satisfied. They wanted to change it to the love of God was magnified. But the original writers of the song refused to change. So the committee left it out of their hymnal because it wasn't politically correct to say that the wrath of God was satisfied at the cross. However, as Scripture clearly points out, God has a vendetta against sin. The problem is that sin creates a bondage in us that we can't break away from in our own strength. We can't eliminate it. We can't pay for its consequences on our own or with our own effort. But the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, the blood of the perfect and sinless Lamb of God, paid the price and eliminated the consequence for sin for all who would trust in His name. That's the good news that we share. Through this sacrifice, God would also extend His grace to us. A grace that would help us break away from the bondage of sin and to not be stuck in our guilt. Therefore, sin has sought to trap its victims so that its grasp will consume us. But the blood of Jesus justifies us and saves us and securely places us in God's family. Well, the next promise we have in the Bible is that love, not money, love is the currency of the kingdom of God. And we've been given an abundance of His love. One of the most beautiful verses in the Bible, 1 John 3, verse 1, tells us, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. See, God didn't just save us so that we would become loyal subjects to Him as our King. He saved us so that we could become a family. We are children of God. There is great love in this statement and in this name. We are children of God. We are His children. He is our Father. It is only by understanding and appreciating the love of our Heavenly Father that we in turn are able to love Him and keep our love kingdom-focused. The next promise in the Bible I want to touch on is that God offers daily cleansing for us if we are willing. I don't know if you follow the news or not, but there's a big thing in the news right now about all these celebrities saying that they don't wash their kids. They don't give them baths. Anybody read that this week? 
that, that they, only, they only give them baths when they see dirt on them or when they start to stink really bad. That was all in the news this week. They don't, that, that it's just a privilege that I, I give them a bath when I feel like it. That's, it was in the news this week. Kind of crazy stuff. Listen, 1 John 1.9 says this. If we confess our sins to God, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. As His children, we now have the privilege to come to Him and to confess our sins, not on Facebook, to God in our prayer closets and receive His forgiveness to grow in unhindered fellowship with Him. So let me ask you a question. Why would you stay dirty when you can come and be cleansed? Even though we have this promise, many people not only stay dirty, they wait until they are completely grimy and filthy before they come to confess their sins and come back to God. Part of the problem is that if we don't repent immediately and confess immediately, we start to get used to the filthiness of sin. Some people that live in filth don't even realize that they smell unpleasant anymore. The same is true for us when we don't take advantage of the promise to be forgiven and cleansed if we come to Him. A major part of prayer is goes contrary to what a lot of people believe in prayer. A lot of people believe that prayer is like talking to Santa Claus. And I'm going to give a whole list of things that I want or things that I need. Yet one of the greatest part of prayer is confession. That God, I've sinned. God, I've messed up. Because in my mind, I'm thinking my sin has made it, it put something between me and God. And I want to get that out of the way before I can thank Him, before I can ask for things. I want to take care of my confession first. A desire to confess our sins says, I want to be cleaned so that nothing is in the way in my relationship with God. If a desire to confess our sins to the Lord says, I love you with all my heart, I don't want nothing to get between it, then what do you think a lack of confession says to God? God promises to cleanse us and forgive us if we are willing to come to Him. The next promise, God's presence is continually with us. Hebrews 13, verse 5 says, Let your conduct be without covetousness which means you're not always wanting something more. Be content with such things as you have, for He Himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's God's promise to us. When we come to Jesus Christ and accept the sacrifice and the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of us, He is with us. He stays with us. He never leaves us. Now the enemy may tell you that He's gone, but He's always there. We have a traveling companion, the Holy Spirit, who has promised to never leave us and never forsake us. His presence is always with us. He understands us, especially when we don't even understand ourselves. He encourages us. He listens to us. As the Scripture says in Psalm 46.1, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in time of trouble. It doesn't matter if it's 2 in the morning. It doesn't matter if you're in the middle of the desert. It doesn't matter where or when. He is always there with us, an ever-present help. He is always with us. Though we may not always be listening to Him or always listening for Him, He is always speaking to us and guiding us in a way that we should continue to go, comforting us with His Word of truth if we're willing to go to Him. 
and holding us close to His heart. Another promise, God comforts us in times of trouble. 2 Corinthians 1.3 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. Verse 4, Who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. I know it sounds like a tongue twister. What it means is this. God comforts us with the hope that we will share that comfort with others as well. We must go to Him in prayer and through the Word to receive comfort. And then we must be willing to give comfort away so that we can keep the God's flow continuing. The difference between God's love and blessings and that of the world is that God operates on the process of flow. When we keep the flow going, His love, His strength, His comfort, His encouragement, His wisdom and blessings flow through us. This is the power of His love and comfort. We receive even more love and comfort when we give it away to others. It doesn't make sense by the world's standards. The world tells you to hold on to things. And God says, when you give it away, you'll receive even more. This idea of giving away what we receive doesn't make sense in the eyes of the world. The world tells us to keep what we have, to hold tight onto it. Yet God tells us to trust Him and keep the flow going that others may know the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. When we only hold on to things for ourselves, we're saying to God, God, I don't trust You that You can meet my needs, so I need to hold on to it. But when we give it to others, we're saying, God, I'm going to give it, and I'm going to, I believe that You're going to meet my needs, and You're going to give me what I need, even if I give that away. No, I'm not talking about money here. I'm talking about giving comfort, and giving love, and forgiving others, and offering grace. His gifts keep on giving when we obey Him and keep it flowing. The next promise that God gives us in His Word is that the Lord sets limits on our trials and temptations. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except that such that is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, He will also make the way of an escape, if we take it, so that you may be able to bear it. God will not allow you to be tempted beyond what your, your ability to endure. If you are still experiencing a trial that seems to be going on for a very long time, then either your ability to endure is greater than you realize, or God may actually be increasing your ability to endure for a reason. You may be an example to someone else. Your life may be a testimony to someone who is ready to give up. We've, throughout the last couple of years, we've shared testimonies. You've heard Bob Tackett's testimony up here. How later in life he thought all these things that happened to his life and God came into him and he was real and changed his life. The old is gone and the new is here and how that can happen. So when we share these testimonies of what happens, we see that God sometimes allows us to go through difficult times so that we could be a testimony to others. No matter how old you are, no matter what situation you're in, God is real and He can, he can bring blessings to your life if we trust Him. 
Sometimes when we're in a trial, we realize that God is not finished teaching us what we need to learn. Sometimes that happens because we continue to complain about the trial we're in. Or we could, we could do, do something else, but God's saying, I, I still want to teach you something. Is it possible that we may have the wrong focus? You know, when bodybuilders are lifting weights, they're told to focus on the muscle that's being used. Not how the rest of the body is, is in pain, or the, but to focus on the muscle that's being used instead of the pain or the exhaustion being exerted. We need to learn to focus on the spiritual muscle that's being built up. That's our steadfast faith and our perseverance in holding on to Him. How do we know what we're doing if we're, if we're following this Christian life? Well, God gives us this amazing checklist to see where we're at. It's found in the Second Peter chapter 1. It says this, But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith, here's the first checkpoint, virtue. And to virtue, add knowledge. To knowledge, add self-control. To self-control, add perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. To godliness, seek brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter how much money you have in the bank or where you live, if you have these things and you're seeking God for these things, you are rich because of the spiritual blessings that God has given us. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his old sins. All of these things are available to us, but we must turn to God in our time of need to build upon our faith, to persevere and trust in Him through our trials so He can equip us with all that we need. You've heard me tell the story. We had a very difficult time when God shut a bunch of doors in our life before He brought us here. But if we would have continued to complain and fight against those things, we never would have walked through these doors to be with you here now. We need to trust God through our difficult times, even though it is hard. We need to trust Him. These verses in Second Peter serve as a great checklist for us in growing as disciples of Jesus. We would be wise to pray for God to work on each of us, these aspects in our lives, if we stay submitted to Him. You're not sure what to pray for? Go through that list in Second Peter. See which one of those things that you would like God to equip you with more and ask God to hold you accountable to praying for that and working to, towards that to believe that. The next thing that God promises in the Bible is He grants us wisdom if we ask. James 1.5 says that if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. In every decision that you face, God offers wisdom to see life from His perspective. If you ask in faith and without doubt. However, sin can keep you from claiming this promise, this promise because it crowds out truth and creates uncertainty. It is impossible to live this Christian life without the Word of God. Let me say that again. It is impossible to live the Christian life without the Word of God. Good ideas become tainted. They lose their power and their momentum, and they fade away. But the Word of God stands forever. It always retains its power and its truth and its purpose. 
Yet we can be so thick-headed when it comes to this promise. Have you ever caught yourself thinking or saying, God doesn't talk to me that way. Or, I just don't hear, I don't hear from God. There's only one way to hear from God. He is faithful when you consistently spend time with Him every day reading the Bible and praying to Him to hear Him speak to you every day. That was one of the attributes that came out again and again at our service last Thursday for Bob Huber. He loved God. He loved the Word of God. He was in the Word of God every day. He prayed every day. And you heard all of these stories about his life and how he touched this person's life and he was always positive and he was always an encourager. Why? Because he loved the Word of God and God is faithful. So many times in our life we think we pray for something else more and God's just saying, spend time with me and my Word and I will change you and I will bless you and I will show you the exceedingly great promises that are in the Word for you. God speaks to us through His living Word. Understand that when we don't spend consistent time in His Word, we forfeit one of the most precious precious promises that He has for us. And one of the most tangible ones at that. Well, finally, the Lord provides rest for our soul. Matthew 11.28, Jesus said, Come to Me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take My yoke upon you and learn from Me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Nothing else in this world can give you the rest like Jesus can. And resting in Him is greater than any vacation or any getaway. It will truly recharge you and invigorate you and empower you to take the love and the mercy and the forgiveness that He has given you and showered upon anyone you meet. A story is told by Tony Evans called The Cruise. story is told about a man who saved up his life earnings so he could take a cruise. Something he had long desired. The ticket for the cruise cost him nearly everything he had. In order to save money, he decided that he would just eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches the entire time. So he didn't have to waste money on, on the lavish feasts and expensive dinners. At first he was okay because he was enjoying the cruise. But soon he started to notice that people gorged themselves on ham and turkey and chicken and grilled vegetables and filet mignon and baked potatoes with all the toppings and creamy cheesecake desserts. Even when he would try to retreat to his cabin, he saw people near him ordering room service daily. He thought to himself, I am surrounded by people eating everything in their heart's desires. And I'm stuck here eating peanut butter and jelly with every meal. It's not fair. One day, he saw a woman, woman coming towards him with a big plate of food. And the man asked her how much it would be just for one plate of food. Maybe he could spare enough money to splurge for just one day. He shared with her that he only had enough money for the ticket, but he didn't bring enough for the meals, hoping that she would have pity on him and Maybe give him a small sample. The woman looked at him in disbelief and told him that the meals were included in the ticket. Listen, 
too often we settle for eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. We look around at other Christians who seem to be victorious, who seem to be getting through trials quicker, who seem to be strong and not discouraged, who seem to be eating spiritual steak and potatoes, and we wonder why we are limited to peanut butter and jelly and bread. It's because we don't realize the all-sufficiency of our God, the exceedingly and great and precious promises of God. We go through trials and get battered and tossed about, not realizing that God is our eternal anchor in the storm. No matter how big the storm is, or no matter how bad it is, or no matter how long it lasts, God is our anchor in the storm. When Jesus went through the heavens and was seated on the right hand of the Father, all the meals were included in that ticket. All the help is in that ticket. All the wisdom is in that ticket. All the comfort is in that ticket. All the strength and all the power is in that ticket. The tickets are only dispensed at the throne of grace. Not something that we deserve, but something that we're freely given if we're willing to receive. If you are struggling in any area of your life right now, God invites you, as the Word declares, to boldly approach the throne of grace to receive all the help for your time of need. As Scott comes up to play our song of reflection, I'd ask you to bow your heads. Heavenly Father, we thank You for the precious gift of Jesus Christ. We thank You that You came to die for us. While we were still sinners, You died for us. God, we know we don't deserve it, but we receive it by by grace since salvation is a gift. God, You know where each and every one of us are struggling in different areas of our life. You know what we're up against, what we're tempted against. So God, right now I pray that Your Word has opened our minds to the truth of Your Scripture, that You would help us realize the promises in the Word, that You never leave us nor forsake us, that Your love is abundant, that You offer us times of comfort and wisdom and strength. Draw us close to Your heart to take in all that You've given us, that we would live by faith in what You've called us to do. As You continue to work on our hearts through this song, bless us, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Amen.